just trust the people that are on our side, the ones that we like. And so truth can become, well, I'll say this, and if people believe me, uh, well, really, that, that makes it truth. In today's world, it's kind of hard to work out truth, don't you think? There are any number of voices you can listen to, any number of people who'll give you advice. Uh, when I go on social media these days, it's full of slogans and people's of ad- pieces of advice. I don't know if you see this uh, on your social, social media, almost like modern versions of Proverbs. Um, and who's to say what's true and what's not? I saw, um, I saw this come up on my, my social media the other day, if Ethan can put it up. Uh, challenges are what make, makes life interesting and overcoming them is what makes life meaningful. I don't know if you think that's true. I read that and I kind of thought, yeah, you know, you know, it sounds pretty good. I guess that's probably true, at least partly true. Um, but you see other things come up. I had this one come up as well. Um, sometimes when you're in a dark place, you think you've been buried, but actually you've been planted. Do you think that's true? I don't know. Are you inspired? I, I just think, you know, you're getting me confused with a sunflower seed, mate. Um, sorry if you found that really inspiring. Um, the, the question is, in a world full of so much uncertainty and so much fake news and so much advice, left, right and centre, uh, in a world full of uncertainty, how do we actually decide what's right? How do we actually decide what's true? Do we just kind of believe what makes us feel good or what seems right at the time? Or is there a better way to find truth? You can get rid of, rid of that, Ethan, now. Thank you. Uh, at Trinity Church Brighton, for the first four weeks of this year, as Cameron said, we're doing a series called Soul Food. Uh, we're looking at the ways in which God grows us, the tools which God uses to encourage us, uh, the means that he uses to show grace to us. Uh, it's almost like the food that he puts on the table before us, food that we can eat and enjoy. And as we eat and enjoy, we grow to be more like Jesus. We grow to know God better. And last week we talked about prayer and what a great gift prayer is and how through prayer we can grow in our relationship with God. And today, as has been said, we're talking about God's Word. And I tell you what, in a world where truth is hard to find, uh, God's Word is exactly what we need. Uh, Val read out part of Psalm 19. Did you notice what Psalm 19 said about God's Word? Let's get it up on the screen as well. Uh, all these are different ways of talking about God's Word, His law, His statutes, His precepts. Uh, what does it say? The law of the Lord, God's Word, it's perfect perfect. God's word is trustworthy. It's right. It's radiant. It's pure. His degrees are firm. God's word is truth. And as we head into a new year, look at what God's word can do for you. It refreshes the soul. It brings wisdom. It brings joy. It brings light to our eyes. Does this sound like a gift that you want? A soul food that you want to enjoy as God uses it to grow you in 2021? In a world where truth seems impossible to bear down and grab hold of, God's Word is where we can find real truth about God, real truth about ourselves, and real truth about the world that we live in. And as we discover that truth, it brings great benefit as we grow to be more like Jesus. So let's talk about God's Word then. Let's talk about how God's Word can grow us and help us grab hold of real truth. I'll put an outline up on the screen uh, of where we're going to go. We're using this same outline, as I said last week, for um, all four of our weeks on soul food. And as always, if you'd like to have this open the whole time, you can find it on the Sunday Hub. Uh, here we go. Introduction number one we've done. Uh, define, we're going to talk about what God's Word is. Defend, we'll do a couple of quick questions that we might have. 
Uh, and then the meat of what we'll talk about is again in point four. How does God use his word to grow us? And finally, I've got a couple of practical suggestions for us at the end. So first, uh, let's define God's word. What I actually mean when we talk about God's word? Because there's quite a lot behind that term. Uh, Christians, of course, believe that there is a God, a God who made this world, made everything. Uh, and lots of people actually believe that there is a God, that the world wasn't just coincidence, that it was made by some sort of God. But uh, a lot of people think that we can never really know God um, or work out who he is. And I, th- I think that would be true, except that as Christians, we believe that the God who made the world decided to speak. We believe in a God who wanted to make himself known, wanted to reveal himself. And so the whole idea of God's word is wrapped up with God being a God who wants us to know him, wants us to know about him. How would we know anything about God if he didn't reveal himself, right? In fact, the Bible begins with God being a God who speaks. He created the world by his words and as history went on, God chose to reveal himself by speaking again and again. He spoke to his people, the Israelites. He spoke directly. He spoke through prophets. He spoke through different spokespeople. And as history went on, he decided to reveal himself not by spoken words, but he chose to reveal himself by coming to earth as the man, Jesus. God's word became flesh, as it says in the book of John. And then all through history, as God spoke, the Holy Spirit was causing God's word to be written down, uh, giving us what we now know as the Bible. Got my Bible here this morning. God didn't want to be known just at various points or various moments. He wanted all people throughout all generations to know who he was, including us. And so he caused the Bible to be written. It's his record of who he is, his word to us today and every day. A God who made this world, a God who wants to be known. And so he put his word down for us in the scriptures. And so today, the primary way we hear God's word and have God revealed to us is in the Bible. We don't have the prophets like they did in Old Testament times, at least in the same way. We don't have Jesus physically here with us to reveal God to us in the flesh. Although, of course, we have the record of what he did and said. And we have his Holy Spirit who keeps pointing us to him and helping us understand the Bible as we read it. But in terms of God's means to grow us today, his soul food that he puts before us, we're talking about his word, we're talking about the scriptures, the Bible. Now people, of course, will have objections to the idea that this is the word of God. If we move on to our third point, defend, there are a few good questions that we could ask about this. I just wanted to grab a couple and talk about them for a second this morning. Uh, One is, you might have already noticed from what I've been saying, I spoke about truth and I claimed that the Bible is a perfect source of truth. Uh, And what did I use to defend my claim that the Bible is truth? Well, I went to Psalm 19, didn't I? The Bible. You can see how people might think it's somewhat circular reasoning. You might not have seen this in the news this week. It's a bit obscure, but there's a famous Brazilian soccer player. Um, His name's Pelé. And Pelé had scored, I think, 700 and something goals in his career. Uh, And just this week, after many, many years, Cristiano Ronaldo, who's a Portuguese soccer player, finally broke Pelé's record and uh, got more goals than than Pelé did. And Pelé, rather than than congratulate Ronaldo or anything like that, Pelé actually went on his Instagram page and actually he announced that actually he hadn't scored 700 goals. Actually, he'd scored over 1,000. So he still had the record. Everyone was like... What do, you, what do you mean? Like, that's just, just not true. You don't think it's a little bit biased if the official records say you scored 700 goals and then you just happen to say that actually I scored a whole lot more? 
the Bible claims that it's true, that it's God's perfect word, can we trust it? Or does the Bible have sort of an unfair bias like Pele did? I think a couple of things that we can say. First, there is amazing external evidence for the Bible. External meaning, you know, apart from looking into the Bible itself, um, we can look at the evidence that the Bible was written early and, and was written by those who claim to write it. Lots of good evidence for that. We can look at historical evidence. Time and time again, the Bible has been shown to contain real history. I don't know if you know this, there was a Babylonian king, uh, Belshazzar. He's mentioned in the Bible in Daniel chapter 5. You know, until the year 1854, there was no other record of Belshazzar ever existing. And so all the experts kind of just assumed that this was like this fictional character that the Bible had made up. But uh, in 1854, they dug up more evidence and found that Belshazzar actually was real and the Bible was proven to be correct. We have, we have amazing evidence for the Bible's authenticity, amazing evidence that it's historically reliable. And there's a lot of internal evidence as well. If you open up the pages of the Bible, you can go to an Old Testament book that was written hundreds of years before Jesus and find accurate prophecy that predicts what would happen when Jesus would come. And if you read about Jesus, you'll also notice that Jesus had a high view of the Bible, of the Scriptures. He was the one who said that God's Word is truth. He says that in John 17. He said Scripture can't, cannot be broken in John 10. Early in his life, when he was tested in the desert, he quoted from the Bible decisively to rebuke Satan. So Jesus has a very high view of the Bible. Sometimes you hear people say, like, they love Jesus, but they disagree with certain parts of the Bible. And as Christians, it just doesn't make sense. Jesus held up the Bible as highly as anyone. So there's external evidence, there's internal evidence. There are also, obviously, many testimonies. Even in this room, lots of people would be able to tell stories of God's Word growing and shaping and changing them. I think there's good reason to trust that the Bible is what it claims to be, that it is the way that God, our Creator, chooses to speak to us and reveal truth. <coughs> While we're on our defend point, though, let's do one other objection that people might have. Get rid of the roundabout. Thanks, Ethan. Um, sometimes like people, people might say, well, I think we focus on the Bible a little bit too much. I think we focus on the Bible a little bit too much. We uh, might say the Bible's just a book and it's not God and we don't want to worship the Bible, people might say. Is that fair? Is there something there? A couple of things, again, I would say. Uh, firstly, I think, as we've been saying already, the Bible is not just a book. Uh, it is God's means to reveal himself to us, the way God chooses to show us who he is. And so, yes, the Bible is just a means. At one level, it's just a tool that God uses, just a soul food that he puts before us. And as we read the words of the Bible, we should look kind of through them to focus on God, uh, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, rather than focusing purely on the actual book in front of you. But no, I don't think we can put too much emphasis on the Bible, really, because if we're trying to find kind of alternate other ways to learn about God, well, we're neglecting the primary way that God has chosen to reveal himself to us. And if we start to push the Bible to the side, it's quite likely that actually what we'll end up doing is we'll start making up our own version of God that maybe we like the idea of, but isn't really there in the first place. Frankly, there are plenty of Christians around the world who have done this. We think that God should look like this. And so that's the God that they choose to worship. Unfortunately, there's a real chance that they aren't worshipping God at all. We don't get to make up a God that we like and then choose to follow that one. We want to come to the real God, the true God. And the true God is revealed 
in his word as he chooses to do. So I don't really think there is a danger of focusing too much on the scripture, far more dangerous to take the focus off of scriptures. I think as well, like when we're talking about God and God's word, I'm not really sure there's so much of a need to separate the two out. I mean, if I'm sending you a text message, you kind of, you don't say that, oh, this is a text from Matt's word. You say it's just a text from Matt, right? It's God and God's word. I think they go together. Let's defend. As always, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this stuff. If you've got more questions, I'd love you to come and chat to me or you can always fill in a contact card on the Sunday Hub. Uh, For now, let's turn then and talk about how God uses his word to grow us, point four. We're going to jump into the second passage that Val read out for us in 2 Timothy. Uh, Paul writing to Timothy, who is in some ways sort of like an apprentice to Paul. And it's a really gold passage, this one, for us when it comes time to think about the Bible. Let me put the words on the screen. Thanks, Ethan. Um, Paul starts off saying to Timothy, uh, but as for you, continue of what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Timothy, you've been learning from the Bible since you were a young child. You know that God is able to use the scriptures They're able to make you wise for salvation. The truth of salvation is in them. They're able to make you wise. You've learned all this. Continue in the scriptures. Continue in what you've learned. You don't read the Bible and then move on to find truth in other places. You keep going back to the Bible again and again because God uses the Bible to make us wise for salvation. Because if we go into the next verse, thanks, Ethan. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God uses his word to grow us in all sorts of ways to equip us. I want to think about these verses for a minute because they're so key. Uh, First, just notice those first couple of words, the words all scripture. At Trinity Church Brighton, we believe that all of God's word is useful, Old Testament, New Testament, key passages, more obscure passages. doesn't mean every single little bit is just as relevant or just as useful as every other bit, but it's all God's Word. We should read all of it. We don't get to just pick the bits that we like and pretend the other bits aren't there. And that is why here at church we preach through different parts of the Bible through a year. This year uh, we've put our plan together. We're going to be spending a big chunk of time in the book of Luke. Towards the start of the year we're going to be looking at the book of 1 Corinthians. Uh, We're going to be looking at the book of Genesis, the book of James. Uh, All the different parts of Scripture have to be understood in context. We have to do the work to kind of figure out why that book was written at that particular time and what that author was trying to say and what they were trying to achieve by writing that particular book. And we have to do the work of finding out where it fits within the kind of big picture of the rest of the Bible. But it is all God's Word. It's all the Bible. And it's all useful as that soul food that God puts before us to grow us and teach us truth. That's all scripture. Notice the next couple of words. All scripture is God-breathed. As I've been saying, the Bible is not just a normal kind of book. It's God's way of speaking to us. There is something mysterious going on in the Bible. All of the books of the Bible were written down by human authors. But if the Bible is true, that means there is something behind the scenes, something supernatural, that all of the Bible ultimately comes from God. And really, when we see the words, God's breath, Really, what we're talking about is God's Holy Spirit. God's Spirit causes God's Word to be written. And God's Spirit is the same Spirit who is with us as we read and understand His Word. 
A big part of the question of how God uses his word to grow us is to do with the Holy Spirit. He gives us the Spirit to help us understand and apply his word to our lives. So all scripture is God-breathed. All scripture is useful for training, teaching. When we read the Bible, when we preach the Bible at church, when we talk about it in our growth groups, when we listen to podcasts, when we think about the words of the Bible through the day, when we hear about the Bible in kids' church and prep for kids' church or youth group, the Bible is useful. It trains us, it teaches us truth about the world and about God. And you notice Paul also says it's useful for correcting and rebuking. In a world full of fake news and all sorts of advice all over the place, in a world where it's hard to work out what to think sometimes, the Bible is useful because as we work out what we think is true, we can go to the Bible, God's truth, and when we get things wrong, we can be corrected. We can actually hold things up to an ultimate standard of truth. It gives us a way to find real truth in a world where truth is increasingly hard to bear down, a way to actually go to the creator of this world to find real truth about the world that he's created. If we jump back to Psalm 19 again for a minute, thank you, Ethan. You might have noticed this first, verse 12, towards the end. Psalm 19, verse 12. Who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Who can discern? Who can know their own errors? This is the problem with trying to find truth in the world sometimes, isn't it? How do, we, how do we actually know when we're right? How do we know when we've got it right or when we've got it wrong? How do we know when we've inadvertently made an error? If we're just deciding what's true based on what kind of feels right or based on our own experience, surely we're going to get it wrong from time to time. When we go to God and his word, we have an ultimate source of truth. It will show us where we might have got something wrong and need a course correction. Now, if I jump back to 2 Timothy again, it talks about this too, a couple of verses after the verse we were just looking at. Paul says, For the time has come when people would not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Do you reckon this, do you reckon this sounds just a little bit like our world today? We believe the truth that kind of suits our own desires. We gather around us teachers who like to say what we want them to say. Even, you know, even Facebook has algorithms that show you the things you're more likely to agree with. Well, if you only ever want to hear things you already think are true, then probably Facebook is the right thing for you. If you never want to hear that you're wrong, maybe the Bible might be a bit harder to read sometimes. But if we have any sort of humility, we need to go to the scriptures and acknowledge that the God who made this world is actually a better judge of truth than we are, isn't he? And if we have any sort of humility, we realize that actually that's a very useful thing. It's something we should want to actually be able to have a better source of truth that we can go to, a source of truth that's better than our own judgment. God's word is useful. All of God's words is useful. useful. It's all God-breathed. God uses it to teach us by his Holy Spirit. He uses uses it to train correct to reveal truth to us Um, let's just go to a few practical suggestions as we finish point five i've got three quick things for you and these will be up on the screen as well first one i think given what we've spoken about this morning we have to have a healthy caution towards truth a healthy healthy caution towards truth what i mean by that Uh, if we live in a world where different truths are bombarding us all day long different philosophies, different ideas, news articles, slogans, quotes, 
I speak from experience, it can be very easy to just accept something as true, either because it sounds good, it feels good, maybe because lots of other people think it's true, maybe it just kind of seems pretty compelling. And there are lots of things out there that are true, but I, all I'm saying is I think we need to have a healthy caution. You know, before I give this advice to my friend, before I share this quote that I've heard in my growth group, before I share this thing online, hang, hang on a second, is this, is this in line with what God says? Can I think of anything in the Bible that maybe supports or um, possibly would disagree with this thing that I'm about to say? Maybe I have to actually go and do a bit more thinking, a bit more work before I just commit to thinking this is true. Maybe I have to get my head around this a little bit more. That's just a little check that you can do pretty easily, isn't it? I think it's a a good habit to have, though. Just having a little bit of caution, because I think sometimes it's very easy, and again, I speak from experience, uh, we can very easily, kind of recklessly, just believe something to be true, just because it's compelling. And this is why, by the way, when we're here at Trinity Church Brighton, and we're preaching, we're always trying to show you why we're saying what we're saying from the Bible. We'll take you back to the Scriptures. We don't want you to just swallow whatever it is uh, we're saying up here, up the front, just because we're very compelling. Uh, and I know Cameron and I are both very compelling speakers, so it's a, it's a real danger. But um, we want to take you back to the Bible, show you why we're saying what we're saying. If we're going to be grown by the truth of God's Word, if we're going to be able to put uh, our other truth under the authority of the Bible's truth, well, we need to read the Bible and engage with it regularly. So the second thing to say, I think, is the value of a system, the value of a system. A lot of times when it comes to reading the Bible, we can have good intentions about reading it regularly. Uh, but good intentions often, they kind of just finish at good intentions, don't they? It's so important to, I think, have some sort of system that helps us to read the Bible. It's also because we believe, remember, that all Scripture is God's Word. So actually, we do want to read all of it, not just our favorite parts again and again and again. I think it's so important to have a sort of a plan or a system when it comes to reading the Bible. Hopefully, lots of you already have some sort of system that works well for you. I've got a couple of thoughts on systems for reading the Bible. I do think it's good to have a system that takes, uh, takes you through the whole Bible, even if it takes a long time to get there, because all Scripture is God-breathed. I do think it's actually good to have a system that mixes it up a bit. I, I know a lot of Bible reading plans uh, that are available for you to use. They do things like give you one chapter from the New Testament, one from the Old Testament, maybe a psalm for you to read each day, something like that. I think that's a good sort of thing to do. One thing for me I find hard with these things is, uh, you know, often they give you, you know, maybe, maybe it's four chapters a day and, and you might do that and commit to it and it might be fine for a while, but then at some point you're going to have a crazy couple of days, right? Like you, maybe you go away or your routine breaks for some reason. For whatever reason, you just fall a few days behind and then suddenly it becomes this sort of, mountain ahead of you to catch up to where you were meant to be up to. Uh, My advice, and this is what I've started doing, is actually find a way to sort of make a mark or stick a bookmark in if if you're using a book. Um, Come back to it. Don't stress yourself by that kind of need to stick to the exact date that they're telling you to. I reckon it's just good to keep going from where you're up to. And even if your read the Bible in a year plan takes 14 months, I think that's okay. Um, Let me just tell you what I've been using at the moment, trying to be practical. Um, I've been using something slightly different for a couple of years now. Um, this is it, this piece of paper. It's put together by an English guy called Tim Chester. You just get it online, you can print it off. It just gives me a number of chapters to read each week. It gives me about 10 chapters. And to me, that takes the pressure off slightly because if I miss a day, well, I just have to keep up with the weekly reading. Um, it's very simple. If you follow it for three years, you read the Old Testament once and the New Testament twice. Um, for me, particularly having a young child in the morning routine can be all over the place. 
getting rice bubbles and wheat bix ready. Uh, it works really well, very simple, very easy. If you'd like to take a look at that, I have put the link for you on the Sunday Hub if you're interested in a new system for reading the Bible this year. A healthy caution towards truth, the value of, the, of, of a system. Uh, lastly, going deep in the Word. I think sometimes when you're reading the Bible, it's a little bit like me when I go outside to rake my lawn in a cool evening. I don't have a lot of time, so often I just kind of rake over the surface and quickly get the main stuff that's on the lawn, and that's you know, obviously okay when you're, when you're raking your lawn. Um, and sometimes with God's Word, it's okay to quickly move fairly fast over the surface too and, and read parts of big chunks of God's Word. Um, sometimes though, what I would say with God's Word is that you actually need to stop and start digging, digging under the lawn, into the surface, digging down for some diamonds. Now, I don't actually think there are any diamonds under my lawn, but I do think with reading God's Word, it's worth making the effort to follow a Bible reading plan and, and read through large chunks of Scripture, whatever it is. But I also do think that sometimes it's good, actually, rather than skimming over the surface, to go deep on something uh, maybe a little bit smaller. So my suggestion is, uh, as you read your Bible, maybe you're reading a few chapters a day or a chapter a day, whatever it is. Um, one habit I try and keep myself in is I look hard for, I look hard for a diamond. You know, I look for maybe a single verse, something that sticks out, something that I can grab, something I can try and maybe memorize, you know, not forever, but maybe even just for the rest of the day. Uh, maybe something you can come back to at your lunch break or on the train on the way home or uh, just let it tick over in your mind, meditate on it, mull over it, uh, allow the Holy Spirit to show you how you might apply it in your life. Think about what it means for you. Allow God's Word to shape you and grow you as you reflect deeply on it. So there you go, a healthy caution towards truth, the value of a system, going deep in the Word. Friends, God has given us a great gift in His Word, especially in today's world where truth is hard to find. This is His truth about the world, about us and about Himself. Let's enjoy this great gift and see how He uses it to grow us in 2021. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you're a God who chose to reveal yourself to us. We thank you that your word is truth, is life, is love. Allow us to hear your word. Allow us to hear the truth of your word above other truth. Thank you that your word will stand forever. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.